ho, ho, and many more. Welcome to the Go Chuck Yourself Christmas Versary Birthday Spectacular. My name is Chris Gillespie. My name is Erin Rana. And we are here celebrating many things on this episode of Go Chuck Yourself. Uh, it is simultaneously the Christmas episode of season two. It is also the first episode that we're recording since the one year anniversary of us starting the show. <gasps> And it's also the first episode we're recording since Aaron's birthday. So it's just a a spectacular, a Christmas-versary birthday spectacular. This is really nice. When you uh, asked me if I liked surprises a couple of minutes ago, I didn't know that I was about to get one. It is. It's a huge surprise. It's a surprise birthday party here at Go Chuck Yourself. Uh, I will... I think uh, we'll take a moment. We obviously don't have the rights to sing happy birthday to Aaron, but you, the listener at home, can sing it to Aaron. So we'll uh, we'll be quiet for about 30 seconds and let you sing to Aaron. Wow, that's beautiful. You guys have really good voices. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. (laughs) Oh, we didn't really hit that high note. Oh, thanks, everyone. Yay. Blow out that candle, Aaron. There we go. 26 years. Can you believe it? I can't. Were you asking I, me? Who were you asking? <laughs> I don't know anyone. No, I can't. I was asking you, but if anyone else has any feelings about you yeah, being 26. Please chime in. I, uh, I lost myself in this bit a little bit. I feel like uh, just all our listeners are in the room with me. You know what else you lost? Your that, parents' health insurance. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, so if anyone would like to... Um, Offer me health insurance. Uh, con- write a- write us a review and tell us your favorite health insurance. Oh man, if we could get health insurance through the show, that would be excellent. That would, that would be, be such a weird fringe. Like you get three wishes from a genie, it'd be like, here's this option: you get health insurance through your podcast. That's what yes. I uh, wished for when I blew out the candle. <laughs> Great. Well, maybe it will happen. Happy birthday, Aaron! And now Thank you. you get to as a July baby. You now get to experience something that all of our friends and family that are born in December get to experience, which is having your birthday lumped into the celebration of Christmas or the holidays. So now we're going to move on from your birthday and just talk about Christmas. Well, before we do that, we'll focus on the anniversary. It's been one year. You know, just take a moment. Think about think about the, the past few episodes past year of episodes just really high quality audio content <laughs> it's one year of that i am um, i am certainly uh thinking about it <laughs> i think about it all the time anyways uh as a anniversary gift i uh let's see i think it would be appropriate if we read a uh a recent itunes review that we got oh okay yeah let's do um, it it was very nice i'm pulling it up right now um it's almost like uh, this bit was just done on the fly. I was going to say that, you know, like I got you this for our anniversary, but that makes it sound like it's some kind of paid content or it's fake. But I don't as far as I well, before I start, do you do you think this is real? I think it's real. This is this is the our uh, most recent review. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's real. It seems authentic, right? Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, I didn't I didn't write it. Did you did you write it? I didn't write it. Okay, I well, if neither I of us think... did it, um, we're the only people we know that listen to this show, so uh, right. it has well, to be think, someone else. I don't think anyone that we know would have done this. So um, so this is on iTunes. This is a review. Uh, it's a five-star review. Great job, Aaron. The title is A Must Listen for Any Chuck Fan, uh, and it's by uh, the username Just Plain Bad. 
which when I started reading it, I was like, seeing the phrase just plain bad yeah, doesn't it was make alarms. me feel great. Yeah. But the five stars. Okay. Anyway. <clears throat> so just plain bad says, I'm not a huge fan of podcasts, but I'm a huge fan of Chuck. I heard about the podcast because someone posted it about it on the Chuck Reddit and I had to give it a, uh, a try. The hosts are fantastic. They're witty and funny. As a fan of the show during its original run on NBC, I want to say thank you, Aaron and Chris, for bringing Chuck back to life after 10 years. That's really like it, bring, it brings a little tear to my eye. It does. To be it's, honest. It's That's so, so nice. It's so nice. Like, and I don't want people to think that we're like reading our own reviews to just be like. I don't know, no, clothing or anything, yeah. but it's we really appreciate we that. It's very nice. Tell you how much we appreciate it. So yes. um, thank you, thank you so much. Just plain bad. You are just plain sweet. <laughs> no, there it is. Ah, there you go. You thought sweet, I was like, going to say good, but I did. I thought it was going to be good. But also it was good. Sweet. They're also good. It was very nice. So I, it has been one year, and it has been. I, I feel like we've come a long way over the course of the year. And I look forward to uh, doing another year of the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and as, as is the tradition with any season of Chuck, there is a Christmas episode. Uh, this is the season two Christmas episode. It is Chuck versus Santa Claus. Um, I thought that the title was Chuck versus the Santa Claus. So I was looking for Tim Allen. Um, I'm still looking for him. So if anybody knows where he is, let me know. I when I was watching this episode, I should have written this down and maybe like taken a picture of myself with the day's newspaper or something, because I was <laughs> like, I know as soon as we start recording, Aaron's going to make a reference to the Tim Allen oh, movie. <laughs> I should have predicted how long into the episode <laughs> it would take. Should have. I knew it was coming. Good. Yeah, because um, uh, I think that up a lot. You do. <laughs> it's a formative, uh, formative film for me. You just compare everything to the Santa Claus. Yep. Um. Well, I would say it's time for us to get taken hostage by this episode, Chuck versus Santa Claus. Aaron, would you like to uh, to kick it off? I would love to, but I'm just I, I started thinking of the Santa Claus extended universe and then I thought it was the SCEU and I really like that. So I'm, I'm surprised taking that they you hostage. I really think it's only a matter of time before they reboot the uh, the Santa Claus with like Dwayne Johnson or someone. Yeah. You know, I feel oh, like it's man. been long enough. Yeah, definitely. Okay, that would be so. funny. I'm gonna. I should pitch that. No one steal that idea. That's Chris's Dwayne, idea. Trade. If you're listening, I think we could really do something special with uh, the Santa Claus reboot. Can uh, Can Dave Batista be like the the young elf, like Bruno or whatever his name is? <laughs> sure. Perfect. Everyone in the Bernie? reboot must must formally be of a wrestling background. Yes, everyone. Get John Cena in there. Yeah, John Cena wants to be in there. Okay. Hulk. The uh, Hulk Hogan could play like Father Time or something because oh, he's a little bit older. Yes, that's great. It'll be called the Santa Claus. Um, what would be the subtitle? The Santa Ooh. Claus. Uh... The Santa Claus punches you in the face. Sure, why not? Okay. We'll we'll workshop it. We'll think about it. Maybe by the end of this episode, we'll have something. Great. Okay. So this episode starts with Jingle Bell Rock playing while we see some B roll of LA at Christmas time. So that includes like. Santa surfing, palm trees with ornaments, all of that. I'm pretty sure they try to pass off the Christmas tree at the Grove, which is not near Burbank, as the Vibor Plaza. That was pretty sneaky, and I got my eye on you, Chuck. It's not going to fly here. Not Aaron's fly. watching you, producers. Big Mike and Emmett arrive at work at the same time and get out of their cars, which are the same. They establish that it's the day before Christmas. Also, I'm not sure if you noticed this, but they were both kind of looking a little sweaty. So I was, uh, I was <laughs> yeah, thinking I of your question. That. Yeah. 
that no one acknowledges it, but they did look a little sweaty. Well, that I mean, I as I am also sweaty all the time this time of year. I was like, oh, they just filmed this when it was like warm in California. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking like maybe it was kind of like a a very visual like joke that it was like, oh, it's Christmas time. But these guys are sweaty. Oh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know if it was intentional. They could have just been sweaty men. So at the Orange Orange, Sarah is looking sadly at a poster for eggnog flavored frozen yogurt, which is a sentiment (laughs) I could get behind. She's not sad about the flavor, though. She's sad because the poster features a family enjoying the holidays together. Chuck arrives, and he tells Sarah that they'll be attending a Christmas celebration with his family the next day. It seems like maybe something that should have come up before. Uh, before but, Christmas uh, Eve? Yeah, sure. but it, uh, it didn't. Sarah says she doesn't do Christmas, and I got really excited thinking maybe the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future were about to show up to teach Sarah a lesson. I got really excited because I thought that it meant that Sarah was Jewish. Yeah, that's what I, that was my next note. I, I wanted her to say, I don't do Christmas. I'm Jewish. I've told you this a hundred times, Chuck. Please listen to me when I talk. Stop trying to whitewash the yeah. holiday season for me. Yeah. But Sarah isn't Jewish as far as we know. She just doesn't like Christmas. Uh, Chuck refuses to take no for an answer and convinces her to uh, come over the next day. My next note is uh, just probably about six times in all capitals. Skip Johnson is dressed as an elf. I repeat, employee of the month, Skip Johnson is dressed as an elf. He is not alone, and uh, everyone except for Chuck and a few scattered employees are dressed as elves for, I don't I don't really know why, I guess they're working in, uh, Big Mike's dressed as Santa is really the uh, crux of this story. So there's a Santa's village, and I guess they're all working in there. Anna's costume is, like, nice, but maybe not work appropriate, because it's like, uh, very midriff bearing in a way that um, I'm, I'm surprised that the buy more allows but uh, everybody's looking good they're all dressed as elves except for, for Chuck Chuck doesn't even yeah. allude to having a, like an elf no, costume at no, no point is anyone like hey where's your elf costume yeah, it's just no. understood that he does yeah, he's, not he's have above any part all to do this. with this yeah. Casey is also not dressed as an elf I should point True. out we find that out later and there's like a couple when they have their meeting there's like a couple of people who aren't but I don't I don't know why. I don't know the reasoning why some people are and some people aren't. Oh, well, we'll, we'll move on. Um, all the employees are gathered in front of TVs, which are all tuned to a news station where we see a car chase broadcast live. That doesn't really seem like appropriate or mood-setting television for a store, but okay. Lester is leading <laughs> everyone in betting cash on how the car chase will end. Big Mike comes over in a Santa costume and tells... Chuck to round up the freaks and meet him in Santa's village. Everyone uh, was there. Everyone else was there. So he could have just uh, asked them to come over himself. But uh, managers, am I right? Big Mike tells the employees that they've jacked up the buy more prices 15% to make record sales. Also, Morgan displays a weirdly impressive ability to sniff out exactly what Big Mike ate for breakfast. So uh, that's a talent that like that's a genuine talent. I don't know. Um, after the meeting, Ellie and Devin arrive at the store before it's open to take advantage of the friends and family <laughs> discount. I don't know why they're allowed in, but they are. And also, they have a friends and family discount. Did you like, have you ever gotten that at any of your retail jobs? I have, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I definitely didn't. Yeah, it's usually like a, um, there might be like a friends and family long weekend or something okay. where like for a span of time, you can give out coupons or if you're, with someone, you can get a friends and family discount. It's pretty common, I okay. think, in my I experience, at least. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I mean, I was kind of like, I was a temporary employee when I worked at Walmart, so maybe they didn't give those kinds of things, but I was maybe. like, I missed out, man. So Devin tells Ellie she doesn't need to get him anything because he already picked out his gift, which is, again, something that maybe should have come up before this exact moment, the day before Christmas. Uh, he bought himself a weekend skydiving trip with his friends because he needs an adrenaline rush. 
That's uh, right. Yeah, he's a man. The car chase picks up as the news anchor says the car has turned off the highway and ended up in Burbank. The Bymore employees are unconcerned until they start to hear the sirens themselves, which is actually, like, that's a genuinely scary thing. Like, if you're seeing something on TV and then suddenly you, like, hear it passing, like, that's that's scary. Mm. I thought that was, like, a decent uh, little little moment for them. Um, the car crashes right into the Bymore, makes it all the way through the front end, and ends up right in front of Chuck. The driver, who is apparently fine from all of this, uh, gets out and points a gun at Chuck. Apparently the driver is taking everyone hostage. Chuck displays remarkable calm and welcomes the driver to the Bymore. Yay! <laughs> and there's the intro. The driver of the car, whose name is Ned, asks who's in charge, and everyone shouts Chuck. Chuck looks at Big Mike and Emmett, who immediately hide. Ned tells everyone to go into the Santa's Village area. Which is where, now I want to ask you a question about Christmas. Why, why is it always called Santa's Village? Does Santa, like, actually have a village? Does he live in a village? Is the North Pole a village? <laughs> I guess so. I guess it's... I don't think it's like a village with other pedestrians, but I think it's the uh, the the myth would be that uh, Santa lives on a compound, basically, and the elves are all part of this this compound that has different buildings. So I guess it would be a village. All right. OK, I'll take it. Um, we'll have to uh, rewatch the Santa Claus to find out. I don't I just don't remember. Uh, I just remember it being like a big like factory. Oh no, Aaron has to rewatch the Santa Claus. Oh, no. uh, twist my oh, arm man. if you have to. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ned tells Chuck to lock down the Bymore security system, and meanwhile, in Castle, Sarah and Casey are watching everything unfold. Casey mm. is upset that he stepped out of work and missed all the fun, which begs the question of, like, he was there in the scene before, and the store hasn't opened yet, so why did he leave? Why was he allowed to leave? What was he doing? I don't know. Um, he's also disappointed when Sarah and Beckham agree that they should sneak into the Bymore and try to extract Chuck quietly instead of going in and rescuing him, guns blazing, because this will blow Chuck's cover. Mm-hmm. Beckman is also, okay, this is, this is going to be the first time I talk about it, but not the last, that Beckman is being a little bit, uh, she's, she's losing me a little bit, which, like, you know how I feel about Beckman, but she's mad at Casey for cutting his fingers when he's at the gift wrap station. Like, he's, he's covered in wounds, and she's like, very dismissive of him. Like, that's a hard job. <laughs> Beckman doesn't under... Beckman needs to, like, get in among the people a little bit more. I think she's high on her ivory tower, and she's yeah. just, like... She's she's lost touch, man. I think so. She's not uh, not very empathetic. Yeah. Beckman, come on. I love you, but you gotta <laughs> change your ways. So, around here, we're introduced to Big Mike's cousin, Big Al who I'll have more to say about later, but apparently, um, I haven't seen Die Hard, but apparently this actor and this character are from the first two Die Hard movies. Did you know that? I did. I recognized him immediately. Oh, good. I'm glad. His, the actor's name is Reginald Vell Johnson. How nice. So that's that's really cool. So I guess Chuck takes place in the Die Hard universe? It's sweet. I'll allow it. I was thinking yeah. about this. I, I don't think there's any way that you could disprove this, and I don't think that there's any way that either of them detract from one another. Yeah, that's, so that's amazing. That's really good. I'm happy that they did that. Maybe we get a Bruce Willis-Chuck crossover oh, movie. Oh, that would be sick. Yeah, well, they're always talking about the Chuck movie, and they're always talking about making another Die Hard, so... Get Bruce Willis in there. Put them together. Put them together. Yep. It'd be great. So many movie ideas. A hostage negotiator named Mauser, who definitely isn't shady, shows up on the scene. Back in the store, Big Mike complains that all of their sharpers will go to Large Mart, which Large Mart is in the same plaza. I don't think anybody's going to be allowed anywhere near that plaza. I don't think he really needs to worry about that. 
Like maybe, All right, folks, come on in. Yeah, don't yeah, don't, don't mind that building. No, just kind of like drive yeah. around a little bit. There's just a uh, yep. there's just, just a high state hostage, hostage situation yeah. going on. But come on into large Mart. Come on in. Chuck has apparently really learned not to flinch at the sight of danger because he gets really chummy and cracks jokes with Ned almost immediately. Um, I I know that Chuck's a nice guy and he's like helping customers and everything, but this seems a little excessive. Well, Chuck, uh, I mean, if you think about it, all the times that Chuck is forced to, like, be friends with crazy deranged people over yeah. the episodes, yeah. like, I feel like he more often than not is dealing with people that he does not want to be talking to, but somehow is really good at, like, being the, uh, being the misfit whisperer to those people. Yeah, that's fair. Um, also, when Ned showed up, I, like, this is going to be another of my things of, like, thinking people look like other people. But I thought Ned was Laszlo, and Laszlo had returned, like, the computer kid from the earlier episode. I guess because they're both, like, white men with brown hair. But I was like, is that Laszlo? Is he back? But he's not. Well, it's not. Aside from your deep-seated face blindness, I was also thinking about that episode. Because yeah. I feel like the the dynamic between Ned and Chuck and the dynamic between Laszlo and Chuck was similar. Yeah. So, so I, I guess I, that's... I, I was getting hints of that, too. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm not completely crazy. No. Um, Ned I mean, reveals, yes, but... Yeah. For other reasons. Ned reveals he lost his job and was just trying to get some Christmas gifts for his kids. I don't really know what that means or how he was trying to do that by being in a car chase, but that's that's the story he gives. He asks Chuck what he's going to do, and Chuck says maybe he can help because he knows some people who might be able to make all this go away. Again, I don't know why Chuck is offering to do... I mean, maybe it's like a hostage negotiation, like he's trying to like get everybody out of there by promising this guy whatever he wants, but... Chuck seems to genuinely think like, yeah, I'll help this guy out. And I, I don't know why. He mm -hmm. just, you know, he's, he has them hostage. Well, Chuck is just trying to be, he's just trying to protect his friends yeah, and family. Like good. he's just trying to de-escalate the situation. Yeah. Okay. Phone rings and Ned says he doesn't want to talk to anyone. And he asks Chuck to answer it. I relate to that. I wish Chuck could answer all my calls. <laughs> uh, Mauser asks Ned to send a hostage out as a gesture of good faith. Emmett immediately throws himself at Ned's feet and begs to be let out. When Ned agrees, Emmett hugs him, I guess. Uh, then he makes a really evil look at Chuck. So I, just, I don't really know why he did that, but he just kind of like smiles <laughs> despicably over Ned's shoulder. Apparently, he just wants to get out to promote the store. As the news and the hostage negotiator interview him about what's going on in the store, he does some really quick thinking and wordplay to explain how it's the sales event of the season. Yay! Uh, again, I think Emmett is a really good and smart employee. Like, maybe this isn't the time, but, like, he, he turns that on a dime. He's, like, his one concern in life is the buy more. So, I don't know. He's good. He, he deserves what he has. He's loyal and he's creative. I'll give yeah. him that. Casey and Sarah arrive and want to take Chuck into Castle. They assure him his family and friends will be safe, but he refuses to leave without them. Ned hears him talking and finds out Sarah and Casey are there. He freaks out, but Chuck convinces him they're harmless and to put the gun down. Ned has never used a gun. That, at least that's what he says. And when he tries to pull the safety, he shoots Casey in the foot. Casey apparently loses a toe? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yep. Crazy. So Ned uh, accidentally shoots Casey in the foot. Casey loses a toe. Uh, Chuck and Sarah bring Casey out to the sales floor as Ned follows them. Fortunately, Ellie and Awesome are there, so they're able to bandage up Casey's foot, which is good. Uh, they were not able to save Casey's toe, however, uh, as Ellie tells him that plenty of people survive with nine toes. Jeff overhears this and says, hell, I'm doing fine with eight. Lester then says that they should go try to find that toe since Casey might pay for it. I don't think the toe ever comes back, though. Right? No, it doesn't. They kind of, I was like, oh, are they going to find the toe and like try to barter with him That'd later really and then gross. they can reattach it? Yeah. I was maybe hoping for a, that. Maybe but... that's a deleted scene. 
Maybe. Let us know later. Uh, Casey pulls Chuck close and says that he's been serving his country for years and has never lost a toe. Meanwhile, Sarah and Ellie talk. Ellie asks uh, how Sarah is holding up, and Sarah says that she's just afraid because, well, she's never been this close to a gun before. And I thought this was a really good touch. Like, I wasn't, I was like, God, Sarah's so smart. Like, she's keeping up with her cover with this detail that no one challenged her about. It wasn't like Ellie's like, hey, are you afraid of guns? And she's like, yeah. She's just like forthcoming with this and being like, I was like, God, you're so, so smart, she's Sarah. She's so smart. She's so talented. She's good at her job. She is. She's just the best. Yep. Uh, Ellie says that she's afraid, too, because she's never been that close to a gun either. But she reassures Sarah that they'll all be OK as long as they stick together. And I thought that was a really nice moment. Yeah, that was just a really I like sweet. Seeing, I like seeing uh, them bonding on screen because that's uh, that's uh, Ellie's bridesmaid, you know? Yeah. And they're not talking about Chuck either, no, which is good. Passing the Beckdale test. More like the Beck Min test. Ah, uh, man. Awesome pulls, uh, like all the fellas aside, you know, just the guys. Just the guys. Like, just that group of guys. Yep. There's some extras thrown in there. It's like Morgan, Jeff, and Lester. Yep. Uh, he tells them that they need to come up with a plan to take Ned out. Big Mike is also in the group, and he agrees uh, because he's anxious to get the store open. Chuck and Casey uh, come up, and they try to tell Awesome and the gang that Ned is an idiot and that everyone will be okay as long as they let the police handle the situation. Awesome responds by saying, I know you guys work at a buy more, but I'm a doctor, okay? I take risks every day. This is a matter of life and death. Someone needs to be a hero. Is Devin a bad doctor? Why is he taking risks every day? That's not something I want to hear from my heart surgeon. I. <laughs> it's a good point. I don't know. I mean, maybe he just means that he's used to living in high... St- or he's used to being in high-stakes situations. Yeah, I guess. Where you have to, like, have precise... Yes. You have to have precision. Um, Ellie he- overhears this and she does not like the sounds of that. No, not she at says all. being a hero is someone who stays alive to take care of their friends and family. Awesome. Can't argue with that. Ned calls Chuck over to answer the phone again. Ned apologizes for shooting Casey's toe off. Um, this is so Mauser is the hostage negotiator. Yes. He's being played by Michael Bodker. Yes. From Guardians of the Galaxy. Wait a second. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is who that is. <laughs> I was wondering why you didn't say anything earlier. No, I didn't realize. Oh my god, that's so exciting. <laughs> this is good. This is the appropriate response yeah. that I was hoping for. Oh my god. Like, yeah, you no, wouldn't I think he's he not was blue, familiar, but he's not blue and he doesn't he's have not blue and he doesn't have, Yeah. Yeah. So oh, I'm, I'm looking at his Wikipedia now, and for some reason I thought that it was going to say he was dead, but then I realized he just died in the movie. Michael Bodker calls and asks how everything is going. Chuck says that everyone's fine, uh, aside from Casey's toe. Uh, Mauser then asks to speak to Ned specifically so he can hear what his demands are. Ned responds that he doesn't know what his demands are and that he need time to think about it. Ned says that he should call his wife because she's always she always knows what to do in these kinds of situations. Chuck says that this is a great idea. In fact, Ned should let all of the hostages make phone calls to their family members to let them know that they're okay. Ned agrees and calls his wife. And Chuck walks away from him to go tell all of the other hostages hostages the good news. Ellie and Devin called Devin's parents. Lester calls a phone sex line. Uh, Jeff calls his mom, who's in federal prison. That was a nice touch. Morgan tries to talk to Anna, but she's upset about what happened last week uh, with Morgan fumbling their plans to move in together. Um, Apparently, Morgan doesn't have anyone else he can call on the phone. Big Mike calls his police officer cousin, who's right outside, Big Al. Casey calls someone someone named mother and says it's johnny boy so i didn't realize i don't know do you think he was actually calling his mom or do you think he was it was some kind of code for something well we find out way later that that's like 
that's not his name. Like, his name isn't John. So, like, according to his family. So I assume it's not his mother? I don't know. Maybe it was a code. I don't know. I just kind of, like, brushed past that. I was like, don't understand that. Just kind of write it off. Maybe we'll uh, find out one day. But the the main point of the scene is that Sarah doesn't have anyone to call. Oh. It's super sad. Yeah. She should but, call on Nicole Richie. Be <laughs> I, like, hey, I'm, well, I guess she's in prison, too. I don't know what you took away from that episode, but I don't <laughs> think they're friends. However, while Sarah's standing there being upset, she gets a phone call from Chuck, who calls her from a different spot in the store. Sarah finds Chuck in the DVD section, which once again has no kind of rhyme or reason for how it's organized. Nope. Uh, she says that it was smart for him to call her in order to protect their cover, which really doesn't really make true. sense. No. They're in the same store. <laughs> but okay. Um, Chuck says, well, you are my girlfriend. Sarah asks if the invite still stands to have her over for Christmas the following day. And Chuck says yes. And then he decides to give her her Christmas present early. And it's a bracelet. He says that he was going to give it to her tomorrow, but he decided that he wanted to give it to her today. The bracelet, he says, was Chuck and Ellie's mother's who received it from their father the day that Ellie was born. Upon finding this out, Sarah's like, oh, shit, I do not want this. <laughs> yeah. Which she explains to Chuck as, I can't accept this. This is something real. This is something you should give to a real girlfriend, to which Chuck responds, I know. It was kind of a and nice moment. It was. At this point, Ned calls for Chuck, leaving Sarah alone to ponder the bracelet and what she's going to do with it. Like, how often do I have to wear it? Is this something that I wear once and let him yeah. see it and then it'll be OK? Or like, is it something I need to put on regular rotation? Yeah. Um, can I return it to the store? Can I bring this to a pawn shop? <laughs> <laughs> the phone rings again and it's Mauser looking to speak with Ned. Ned won't speak to Mauser himself. I'm assuming because he's a big fan of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. So it's Star Trek. Instead, he relays everything to Chuck and Chuck says it to Mauser over the phone. Ned reveals that all he wants is to be able to go home and spend Christmas with his family. And Mauser says, OK, I'm coming in. I'm unarmed and I'm coming in. Chuck disarms the buy more security, allowing uh, Mauser to enter through the front door. Mauser takes off his bulletproof vest and puts his hand in the air to signal that he is, in fact, unarmed. Ned says that he doesn't want to go to jail and Mauser says that they can work. They can work on it. He's just going to come over and talk man to man. Mauser says that Ned should consider making a trade in order to appease the police. He should let two hostages go in exchange for, uh, you know, keeping Mauser inside. Ned is confused by this, but ultimately agrees. Uh, Mauser suggests that Casey should be freed to go seek medical help since he's injured. Yeah. And Casey declines because he's a tough cookie. Yeah. But Ellie supports it, saying that his toe could get infected. And then Ned says that since Chuck has been such a good friend to him, he'll let Chuck's girlfriend Sarah go as well. To which Chuck screams, no! <laughs> uh, this is surprising to everyone else. It prompts Lester to say, ooh, it looks like it's going to be a cold Christmas at the Bartowskis. <laughs> which I, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily like... I guess it's kind of strange that he would not let his girlfriend leave a hostage situation. Like, I don't know. Like, I guess. But the implication like, that she would be mad at him for doing that. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like I just feel like like you can't do this on TV, but I feel like real people in any situation like this, like they're not thinking logically. Like, I feel like it's right. reasonable that Chuck would be like, no, I don't want to like leave. Her. Like, I don't want her to like go with her back turned out the store. I don't want to be separated. I want yeah. us like all to go. Like, I, but I mean, I understand how it works in the episode. In Chuck's words, he explains that it's not that he doesn't want to take Sarah out of harm's way. It's just that Chuck thinks that he's not Ned's only friend here and that Ned should really just let everybody leave together. But Ned says, nope, just Sarah and Casey. <laughs> 
Uh, on their way out, Casey tells Chuck that Beckman's people just arrived, so all he needs to do is not screw things up. Sarah gives Chuck a hug and says that she'll not never let anyone hurt him. Can I also Chuck- can I just point out something very quickly? Please. Uh, as as they're leaving, we see that Casey has his shoes back on, which I don't know, like why or how he put a shoe back on, like over his like shot off toe. I don't I don't know what the purpose of that would be, and also it seems like there would be like unendurable agony. Like it and had like, been off. How did he put it back on? Like there'd be a bunch of blood in his sock, and his foot might be swollen. And how would he get a shoe on? Yeah, also it just hurt. Like I don't know which toe got shot off, but like when you put on a shoe, it bumps your toes. Is it implied that it's his little toe? I mean, that makes the most sense. So yeah, Casey and Sarah are exit the store. Mauser walks further into the store with Chuck and says that he's impressed with how Chuck has handled the whole situation. Since after all, Chuck is a quote retail jockey. Chuck says he just wants it to be over, and uh, Mauser says, "So do I, Chuck. So do I." He rolls up his sleeves and he reveals a watch. Which Chuck flashes on. <gasps> Turns out he's a fulcrum agent. Oh no! And he's locked in the bymore, and Sarah and Casey are gone. Uh, this is a really good twist. Yeah, it was really good. This is good. I was like, now, now we're getting into it. I was like rubbing yeah. my hands together. I was like, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> I was. I thought I remembered this happening mm-hmm. from a long time ago, but then as the episode was going on, I was like, well, maybe that's not what happens. Yeah, maybe that's a different but episode. I was, Super satisfied when this happened. I was yeah. like, yes, this is good. Yeah. Mauser still doesn't know that Chuck has the intersect in him or that he flashed. So he's just going on pretending everything's normal. He approaches Ned and uh, Chuck tries to stop him. Mauser says that Chuck has done a good job, but it's time for him to take over. Chuck says that Ned is a really uptight guy. So maybe Chuck should be involved in the, the negotiations moving forward. And Mauser's like, yeah, that seems like a good idea. Um, so when he's having a one-on-one with Ned, Chuck tells Ned that, uh, Mauser's not a good guy and that they need to evacuate the store right away. Ned's so confused at this point. He says that if you let everyone go, he won't have any bargaining chips left. Chuck reassures Ned, Ned that he works for the government and his handlers will do anything for Ned as long as Chuck is returned in one piece. And then, uh, in a super ominous way, Mauser walks up to them and thanks Chuck for his help, but takes over negotiations with Ned outside the buy more. Sarah and Casey talk to the leader of the SWAT team, who is one of Beckman's guys. They ask him why they didn't bring Ned's wife down to help calm him down. And the SWAT guy says, wife? What wife? There's no record of Ned having a wife. And Sarah and Casey are like, oh, shit. shit. And immediately run over to Castle to hack into Ned's phone record to see who called them in the store. Back at the buy more, Chuck is not paying attention. And Awesome huddles once again all the guys together and suggests that they uh, seriously take out Ned since he's tired and frazzled at this point. He asks if anyone else played football in college, and Big Mike says that he was a linebacker. Morgan says that he's played a lot of Madden games, and Awesome encourages him to be bold. As Awesome plots out their strategy to take out Ned, Chuck overhears and comes over. Chuck Chuck asks what they're doing, and Awesome says that they're going to take out Ned. Chuck pleads to Awesome that if he loves Ellie, he really should not do this. It's a bad idea, and Awesome, once again, cannot argue with that. At this point, Mauser calls Chuck over one-on-one. He tells Chuck that Ned has agreed to let everyone go, but first, he and Chuck need to make a deal. He explains to Chuck that Fulcrum knows that Casey and Sarah work for the NSA and CIA, respectively, and they knew that they were protecting someone at the buy more, but they never knew who. So Fulcrum decided to stage this whole hostage situation, car accident situation, uh, to cause some ruckus and see who Sarah and Casey would come to protect, which, of course, was Chuck. 
Chuck says that he has no idea uh, what he's talking about. Mauser says that Ned, who's working with Mauser this whole time, will shoot Ellie if Chuck does not cooperate. Chuck says that he's just a spy analyst, but Mauser doesn't buy it since Chuck was roommates with Bryce Larkin, who oh. stole the intersect in the first place. Getting some Bryce Larkin in there. Mauser says that Chuck needs to tell him where Bryce Larkin and the intersect are. And if he suspects that Chuck is lying, even for a second, he will kill Ellie. Chuck says that he doesn't know where Bryce is, but he knows where the intersect is. Right in his brain. Shit's hitting the fan. Yep, it is. Uh, So now Fulcrum finally knows that Chuck is the intersect. Or these these two specific Fulcrum agents know. Uh, Mauser tells Chuck they're going to take him to a secure Fulcrum holding facility because he's never going to see Ellie again. Mauser agrees to let Chuck say goodbye to her. An odd moment of humanity from a Fulcrum agent. I always feel like this is like a threat that they usually use against Chuck a lot, where they're like, we're going to put you in a holding facility. Maybe that's what I was thinking about the Laszlo episode, too, Uh because I think it's in that one. Yeah. But I feel like that's such a good it. I feel like it's more realistic and it's more threatening and it's it's more sad than just like, we're going to shoot you. They're like, we're going to keep you alive, but you're going to be kept against your will and you're never going to be able to see anyone again. Yeah, I just feel like that's such a good, like dramatic device. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Chuck goes over and has a fairly heartfelt moment with Ellie saying goodbye to her. She's a little bit confused why he's so emotional about it, but uh, I mean, I think I think it's valid, um, even if she doesn't know he's about to be taken <laughs> away. Like, they are in a hostage situation. Chuck also is allowed to say goodbye to Devin, so that's nice, and he tells Devin there's a time to be brave and a time to be timid, and it's the time to be brave. Devin mm-hmm. is like, yes! Bowser takes Chuck to an ambulance, but it's not really an ambulance, it's a secret fulcrum ambulance. Uh, Sarah and Casey, who were apparently allowed to just, like, leave the, the scene, I don't know, like, he's injured, they just walked away, but whatever, they're in Castle now, they're preparing their guns and whatnot, when they see Chuck being put into the ambulance, and they know all is not well. So we see a little bit more of Devin and company planning their attack on Ned. I really wish that, like, everyone saw Anna be, like, an expert in fighting a couple episodes ago, so I don't know why they don't invite her in there. Uh, she could probably, like, take him down single-handedly. That's a really but, good point. Yeah. No, um, it's because Anna's only purpose is to be over-sexualized yeah, and not do anything. Great. So she it's uh, just yeah. the men. Yeah. Uh, they enact their plan, but uh, Ned, who is also Fulcrum, I don't know if we established that, but Ned is bad. Um he does a super crazy kick that makes Lester do a flip and land on his back and, like, pass out. It's a pretty dramatic moment. Um, so the plan that they had seem, seems to have failed, at least as far as we know. Before we get any more on that, we cut to Sarah and Casey shooting the wheels off the Fulcrum ambulance. It crashes into a, like, parking lot Christmas tree farm kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And Chuck gets out. Mauser chases after him. Back in the Bymore, Ellie and Anna are making sure Lester is okay. We see that Morgan has been hiding in the fake snow, and he jumps up suddenly and points a snow cannon at Ned. While Ned is distracted, Big Mike and Devin rush at him and get the gun. Morgan turns to Anna and says, Did you see that? But she's looking at Lester. Lester is looking at Ellie and Anna's breasts. So, great. Uh, Wouldn't you know, we're allowed to look through his eyes and see down their shirts, too. A Christmas (laughs) gift for us all. Uh, Can you imagine being like the director and being like, okay, ladies, uh, we're just going to have you right here. Uh, the camera guy is going to swoop in and just stare down your shirts. And they're like, okay. Oh, God. No, no, no. No bueno. Sarah catches up to Chuck inside the tree farm and tells him to run back to Castle and leave her behind because his safety is more important than hers. Chuck starts to run, but then he turns back because he can't leave her behind. 
Mauser catches up to Sarah immediately and really, like, beats the shit out of her. Yeah. <laughs> it was intense. Uh, eventually, she does get the upper hand and she gets his gun. She points it at Mauser and tells him that she's taking him to a secure holding facility, so the tables have turned. He counters that Fulcrum will do whatever it takes to find him, and when they do, he'll tell everyone that Chuck's the intercept. He's really making a bad case for why he should be left alive. I don't know if this man, like, wants to die now, but, like, he's just like, yeah, basically, like, gotta kill me, Sarah. Um, Chuck creeps out of the trees just as Mauser says, take me in, I'm ready to go, and puts his hand above his head. Chuck sees this, then sees Sarah shoot Mauser point blank. Chuck's upset about this, and we see that Sarah is too. Free from the hostage situation, all the Bymore employees start making out. Yeah. As, as one does. Well, under mistletoe. Yeah, I know. It's not but, just unprovoked. Yeah, but it might as well be. Uh, even it is, better. It's weird how much kissing is happening yeah, there's at a, lot of kissing. a store. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been on a staff of people where I'd ever want to be like, yeah, let's, I'm cool if everyone just starts kissing now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> it was very weird how on board everyone was with it. But maybe well, it was all that adrenaline, you know, they're just yeah. like, they're yeah. happy to be alive. If uh, we know that if the flu is ever released in the Bymore and everyone needs to kiss to spread uh, the cure, then the Bymore employees will be fine. Uh, if you had to pick one one company or one job that you've had where you have to go around and kiss everyone, <laughs> oh what would it be and why? That's a really good question that I don't want to answer on air. Um, <laughs> uh, well, like, the Emerson Library probably would be okay, because, like... <laughs> There's, there's a lot of people in there. I don't know. Well, yeah, They're I was cool. gonna, I, I was gonna suggest the uh, the Emerson Gym during your brief stint there, right? Because oh yeah, everybody would be. Well, they would be fit, but they'd be sweaty. Well, I wasn't including the people working out. Oh, I was okay, about the, the employees. Well, I, I worked alone when I worked there, so. There you go. Yeah. That's a good answer. Yep. Wait, so you're in the library. You were thinking that you were kissing not just the other employees, but everyone in the library. Yeah. And that we could go in the Will and Grace set, rest in peace, and we could, you know, reenact Will and I don't know what <laughs> happens in Will, party and Grace. In the Will and Grace set. <laughs> yeah, that sounds nice. <laughs> um, for everyone who doesn't know and probably doesn't care, uh, <laughs> there was a Will and Grace set in the Emerson College Library. I don't think it's still there. It's not. Nope. It wasn't there when we were there. No, it, it left. <laughs> it, it packed up its things. Because people uh, were like, hey, I think this is kind of a waste of space because yeah. you have all this space that's just decorated like a room that no one's allowed to go in yep. from a sitcom that's what, like... Yeah, I mean, well, it's on again. 15 years old. So, well, yeah, true. Because yeah. they have their setback. They couldn't do any more episodes until they got the set yeah, from Emerson. Yeah, thank God. Even better, Big Mike and Big Al run into each other and they have a big hug. Uh, it was truly beautiful, and then they go out to dinner, and at some point they eat <laughs> Twinkies together, which is a reference to Die Hard again, which I didn't know, but maybe you did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In the next scene, we have three separate Christmas-themed beetle drops in the span of about a minute. It's each each tone, we have Jingle Bell Rock again, then we have, like, a, I don't remember what the next, we have, like, a orchestral thing as Big Mike and Big Al are running at each other, and then we have a somber, like, pop-ish, indie rock-ish Christmas song. Uh, Devin lets Ellie know that he's canceled his skydiving trip because he's had all the excitement he needs. It's a nice moment, but does she have to get him a gift now? Like, that was his gift from her, so I don't know. Meanwhile, Anna hangs out with Lester while he's on his stretcher, and they share a kind of tender moment, which is diminished completely when he sexually assaults her, just, like, grabs her and kisses her. Morgan sees them kissing and thinks that she must now be in love with Lester, so he walks away sadly. Anna breaks off the kiss and shouts, gross, and Lester chuckles happily to himself. <laughs> More on that later, as I'm There's, sure you have guessed. 
in the last Christmas episode, Lester talked a lot about being Jewish. Yeah. He doesn't talk about it at all in this episode. He's like fine dressing up like an elf. Yeah, no, he does. He does not talk about it at all. You're right. Uh, we get a good moment from Sarah as she comes into the store looking haggard, but then she like carefully arranges her face to look happy right as she gets to Chuck. She tells Chuck she arrested the Falcom agent in case he's taking him to jail. Chuck knows this is a lie and he's upset. Ellie comes over and sees that Chuck has given Sarah uh, their mom's bracelet, which begs the question, um, it was given as a gift on the day Ellie was born to Ellie's mother, so why was it this given to Ellie? Why was it just given to Chuck to give to whatever <gasps> girl he sees fit? I don't know. Yeah, why, did, yeah, why didn't they give it to Ellie? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, everyone, is, everyone is a little sad. Uh, Morgan asks Chuck, what do you do when you see your girlfriend do something so horrific it's permanently burned into your brain? It's really on the nose. Uh, Chuck says, I don't know, buddy. And then the episode uh, concludes right there. The end. And to all a good night. That was Chuck versus Santa Claus. That was Chuck versus Santa Claus. Santa Claus. He does not fight Santa Claus in any way. So it's not really Chuck versus Santa no, Claus. No, I don't really know why it was called that. I feel like they just wanted a cool title. They didn't really know what to to make it. Yeah. Well, in the last Christmas episode in season five, Chuck dresses as Santa Claus. So that one should have been called that. This one should have been called like... Chuck versus the last minute shopper. Yeah, that, ooh, that would be pretty good. You should write for Chuck. Hey, producers of Chuck, I, uh, I'm available. <laughs> you, want, you want to uh, set up a meeting? I'm down. Uh, yeah. So that was that was that. That was um, that. I have some uh, some Wikipedia facts. Um, I didn't neatly categorize them this time, so I'm going to be coming right from the source. So get ready. I, I did not know that they were neatly categorized in other episodes. <sighs> so okay. Okay. Well, good. Um, this episode was the second most watched episode of the season after the next episode, Chuck versus the Third Dimension, which is pretty good considering this episode was not in 3D. Whether or not the next episode is in 3D, we will discuss later. Um, but. <laughs> Uh, this episode did pretty well. Um, also, as I mentioned, um, this episode did have some cultural references. It was hugely a parody of Die Hard. Mm -hmm. People just love, I don't know, I feel like Die Hard parodies are something that's pretty common in a lot of sitcoms. Yeah, you're, you're or right. Or comedy shows. And I just say that, I mean, I don't know if that's true, but I just saw an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia from a long time ago that there was a Die Hard parody. That's, I was like, yeah, this, yeah, is, this is something that people thing. do. Yep. It's in the lexicon. Um, something that I would like to note about the Wikipedia entry for this episode is that um, it says the, the title to this episode references Santa Claus. And then there's a picture on the side of Santa Claus. So okay. in case you uh, weren't sure, it, it does. Um, Who is this? Sante Clues? Sante Clues? Sante Clues? The picture of Chuck Santa Sante is like pretty creepy also. It's like a very old fashioned like St. Nick kind of picture. Oh. Um, the episode, according to this Wikipedia article, um, the episode also might include some references to Dog Day Afternoon. Um, Ned is believed to be named after Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day, and Mauser is believed to be named after a character from Police Academy 2 um, and Police Academy 3. I don't know what believed, I don't know who believes that, but let me click this. Um, <laughs> uh, from, from a review, someone wrote believes that those are what the names are so uh the episode did really well um it received according to wikipedia overwhelmingly positive reviews from critics mm -hmm. got a 9.5 out of 10 on ign and uh av club gave it a name honest so great it did it did really well and cool. that's all i have for you i think we generally liked the last christmas episode right in season one 
if I recall. Yeah, that was uh, what what happened in that one. Um, it's they. Uh, it ends with them saying like, "We're gonna, you're gonna have to kill Chuck to oh, Casey because yeah, 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 yeah. they're gonna do." Oh yeah, and too. he gets Sarah the clock radio. They have the little party at the Bymore. I don't remember yeah. any of the action stuff, but yeah, I think we liked it. I think it's impressive. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts on this, but like when episodes that are not because there's a difference between movies that like are traditionally about Christmas. Mm where it's like the theme of the movie is Christmas or mm-hmm. using themes commonly associated with Christmas. But I think it's impressive when shows that are not like that can do a Christmas episode that still is evocative in a way Yeah. of some kind of like a Christmas spirit, so to say. Yeah. I feel like they do a good job in this. Yeah, I would agree. I think that it's um, everything. It felt like Christmassy, but everything they established also felt in line with the characters, like Sarah's uh, discomfort about not having like a family and then like kind of like, growing uh seeing like chuck considering their relationship as she is a part of his family and like all the the themes like related Mm. to the show but also to christmas so i thought Mm. yeah i agree with you i thought it was pretty good um did you notice a couple of signs i did actually for it's a sign our segment about signs our segment about signs um not the joaquin phoenix movie i don't know if i've made that joke before i'm sure i have i don't Uh, think you have okay well our segment about signs um, two signs that I would like to highlight this episode are attitude makes a difference, mm-hmm. which pretty pretty good. Um, and the other one is uh, bringing peace to your computer world, which I thought was kind oh. of kind of like a Christmas reference. Like I don't know if it was if that sign is always there. I haven't noticed it before. Um, it it could be relevant any time of year because peace is always in season. But uh, it's kind of like peace peace on earth, joy to the world. Kind of it was kind of nice to see at a Christmas episode. Yeah. Two signs. Yep. Two signs. Um, <laughs> so then our next segment is Chuck Mary Kill, where we each highlight our favorite aspect of this episode and then our least favorite aspect of this episode. Um, I will go ahead and say that for this episode, I would like to marry who else but Michael Bodker. <gasps> I think the guy's really good at yeah, playing he was, he was really kind good. of like morally ambiguous characters because yeah. he starts off and you're like, yeah, this is a good guy. Like, I like him. And then um, when he turns evil, he's very evil and yeah. very threatening. But yeah. I think a lot of times when you have these kinds of supporting roles for these these side characters in the episode, sometimes you kind of get. I don't know, not that the I guess the writing is a big part of it, but like sometimes the the actors are not that good and don't really you feel like they don't really add much but i feel like this is an instance where i'm like yeah this guy was like a really yeah good character really good performance even if it's if it's a smaller one-off kind of role yeah um so yeah i, I know i say this a lot um but i i could have definitely seen him being like an overarching like series villain or like mm-hmm. season villain like he could have I would have been happy to have him stick around he wasn't like one of the unnamed characters who i don't know what their deal was like I, I understood him and his motivations on who he was. And like, he felt fully fleshed out, even though we only yeah. got him in the one episode. So, mm-hmm. And you sat into Fulcrum in a way that like yeah. also fleshes out Fulcrum. And you're like, yeah. okay, this, this is all good. It's not yeah. just like some kind of like rogue, crazy person that yeah. doesn't really have any purpose. But no. yeah. Yep. So uh, my Mary, um, I really liked Big Mike's cousin, Guyao. I thought, mm-hmm. and I, when I learned it was a reference to Die Hard, I was doubly excited. So I... I, I don't know if I would marry him because I've been told he has a wife already, but I would uh, marry his presence in the episode. I thought it was very funny. Yeah, it was good. It was a nice yeah. touch. I like uh, seeing Big Mike have like some relationship that is not like Harry Tang's wife. <laughs> Lest we forget. Lest we forget. Uh, 
Speaking of things that make us uncomfortable, uh, moving into the kill section, maybe we have the same one this time. I'm sure we do. What is yours? Uh, Lester being a creep. Yeah, I would, I would, uh, generally, I would agree with that. I would, uh, I included both, or all of his instances of being a creep. I think the worst one was probably, like, that that they showed him looking down the shirts. I think that was unnecessary. I think it was unnecessary for him to be doing that at all, but also that they, like, they actually filmed it. It was questionable. Um, I don't think that kind of thing would fly today, Um, but all of it was gross, and I would kill it as well. (laughs) Yeah, and it's, I mean, even if they showed him doing that, I think you're right, like, when they switch into the first person, it's like, it becomes too much. Yeah. Like, obviously, it would not be great if he was doing it in general, but you would it like wouldn't be as overt as like yeah it didn't feel like because if he was doing it it would be like this character is gross and he's doing a gross thing but when they like make us complicit in it i was like i don't i didn't agree with this like it feels like the like (laughs) it's just um an instance where it feels like the directors and the writers were like oh this is so funny and like it's just funny it's not like it's creepy but it's it's funny because it's creepy and like it just feels like gross and I just like don't think that we should have to exist in Lester's brain uh, in that way. I feel that, like the same thing with him kissing Anna was like I guess the joke is that everyone else in the Bymore is having this kind of sweet innocent yeah. mistletoe kind of yeah. kiss but he's so he takes that as this like forcing himself on Anna. I just feel like it didn't it didn't land and it, it felt more especially with like Morgan seeing it and getting upset that yeah. makes me think it's more plot base like oh we need for some reason that's also like why you can't give like morgan you can't give anna the benefit of the doubt like you really you think that low of her that she was kissing lester yeah you're not gonna be like uh that doesn't look right i'm assuming that's not genuine but instead he's all like oh what am i gonna do i just yeah yeah. it very much seemed like especially because we haven't seen anna in several episodes like doing anything other than being mad at morgan it seems kind of like I don't know. It seems like all of the stuff that happened, like focused on like how it relates to Morgan and how like Lester is like a comic character who's kind of gross and kind of smarmy, but like it's funny. Um, it didn't seem like any of it like related to Anna. So yeah, it was a little I disappointing. Think, I think all that's kind of like a kind of gross underbelly for what I think is a uh, well. I guess we'll I, we can move into it. Uh, the scooter scale, giving yep. our definitive ratings on a scale of. Uh, zero to Cinco. Zero to Cinco. Number of corn dogs. So this episode, I'm going to go out and say 4.5 corn dogs. Wow, that's that's good. I I really it was really good. I started out and I was kind of like, you know, I can't tell. This seems kind of forced with like Ellie and Awesomer mm-hmm. in the buy more before yeah. hours like yeah. that. It kind of seemed like the setting of everything up was kind of a little awkward and mm-hmm. clunky. Um, but like once the twists start coming, once the twins happen, I was like, yes, um, I think all the danger that the characters are on is very real, mm-hmm. um, especially with Chuck and Ellie being in danger. Uh, I like that some of the characters that you don't normally see are taking risks. You see the, the buy more staff and awesome kind of doing an action sequence. I thought it was cool. Um, and then I just really like the stuff with Sarah and Chuck at the end. Sarah obviously has feelings for Chuck and she does this thing and she's trying to protect his yes. innocence, I guess, in yep. a way, but also protect him. Um, and I just think, yeah, like kind of what we said before, I think it was a really solid Christmas episode that was not necessarily like cheesy yeah. Christmas episode. I, I feel agree. like it was very tasteful. Yeah. Um, I would give it, um, I'm, I'm a little lower than you. I'd give it a 3.5. Um, okay. I, as we were talking about it, my score started lower than that and steadily crept up as we were talking because I realized I did actually enjoy a lot of the episode. 
I, th- I think that it was good. I, I'm giving it a more middle of the road score, although like I think the performances were really good as we're as we're talking about Bowser and like him uh, him as a villain. I thought was really good. I thought Ned's turn could have probably had like a little bit more, but I did think it was kind of cool to see him be like an awkward guy. And then like the next time we cut to him, he's like takes off his jacket and he's like suddenly like stone faced and like a fulcrum like serious mm-hmm. guy. Um, I think we could have seen a little bit more of that or like something, but I thought it was cool. Um, I, as I said, I loved Big Al. I liked uh, the Christmas themes and I liked the uh, conflict with Sarah um, shooting the man and Chuck seeing. Um, I think some of the things I liked less were just uh, like Chuck being so um, not, not really being clear on if Chuck was like trying to deescalate the situation or if he genuinely believed that Ned was a good guy and deserved a break and mm. the stuff with Lester. I think, that could have been developed a little bit more and maybe would have bumped up my score if it had been, but I thought it was a, it was a good episode and, um, it was above average. So 3.5 corn dogs. Above average. Above average. An above average episode for this very special to go check yourself. Christmas anniversary birthday spectacular. Did you write that term down so you could remember to say it or are you just remembering it every time? Well, I, remember everything i never write anything down for the show <laughs> i watch the episode of chuck i sit there uh with my hands in my lap staring straight at the television uh i watch the episode and then i come and i talk to you about it and oh, okay. that's all i do there's okay. no other production in the show at all good to know and, and no editing the, and what the listener hears is the completely unedited version of our conversation mm-hmm. there's that's just it it's yep. very organic very yeah. very simple yep <laughs> great well uh, thanks, thanks for listening to our uh, christmas birthday anniversary spectacular did i do it i didn't write it down yeah you said it right oh perfect christmas anniversary okay. birthday spectacular uh once again happy birthday to aaron the uh we wouldn't be here without you Aww. happy anniversary to go chuck yourself we would be here with we also wouldn't be here without go chuck we wouldn't yourself. be here specifically we would still exist right um, and then um I guess happy holidays and uh, uh, we'll see. <laughs> I didn't, I, I had a very grand entrance for the Christmas anniversary birthday spectacular, yeah, kinda, but I didn't really fizzling out here. kind of fizzling out. So I guess I will uh, head towards the door. Uh, I will Silent see you next week. Night. Oh, you keep talking. You don't have to cut off. Oh, that was, I oh, was sorry. doing okay. background music. I was just so enamored by the, the beautiful song. Oh, wow. I, uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. My name is Chris Gillespie, uh, imploring you to remember that food is sexy. My name is Erin Arata, and especially now in this holiday season, I am reminding you that anything is possible. Eggnog froyo? You think that's a real thing? I'm sure it exists. Have you ever had a uh, cinnamon ice cream? Cinnamon ice cream? Yeah. Just like pure I used to have... Thanks for listening. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.